The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So let's go to Acts chapter 2 together and we'll begin reading at verse number 41. We read here, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you. For this day and the opportunity that it presents to us to worship you and and to praise you in song. And Father, just to glorify and honor you by our life. Thank you, Lord, for this time and this day. We ask that your Holy Spirit would, would instruct us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Berean Baptist Church. That was a one amen. We ought to love our church. It's a gift to us from God. He's given us a church so that we can come together in fellowship. He's given us a church so that we can encourage one another, so we can unite and, and grow in our knowledge and, of, of God. And we should love our church. My wife and my children and I moved from Louisiana to California 23 years ago not seeking a job. As a matter of fact, I had a very lucrative job in Louisiana before I left. I was, I was an auditor for the state of Louisiana. And it's one of the jobs people slice each other's throat to get. And I walked in my employer's office, my, my supervisor's office, and I gave him my letter of resignation. And he said, well, what are you do- where are you going? I said, I'm going to California. He said, well, you have a job there? I said, no, I have no job. But that's where God wants me, and I'm going to be a member of Berean Baptist Church. So I have a lot invested in this church, as, as do many of you here this morning. I'm not, I'm not lifting myself and saying I've got more invested in this church than anyone else. But you see, I, I came here to be a member of this church. That's why I moved here. And I've had people come to me and say, well, I'm thinking about moving. And I, I'll always ask them first thing, well, where are you going to go to church? And they'll say, well, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, I'll ask them, do you know that there's a church in that area? Well, I don't know. Listen, the last thing I would ever do is move my family to a new location unless I knew I had a church for them there. I wouldn't move anywhere on the hopes that I'll find a church because chances are you won't. And I, want, I love my church and I want to do anything and everything that I can to ensure that 
This church stays strong and stays effectual in its service to Christ Jesus, our Lord, the founder of our church. So what I want to do this morning is just share some thoughts with you. Some thoughts of of having the right perspective about church. You know, in our nation today, there is so much misunderstanding about church. So few people really understand and have the right perspective when it comes down to choosing a church to to, to bring your family to. So I want to talk about uh, a little bit this morning about keeping the right perspective of ministry here. And uh, how we must make sure that we have the right priorities. So with this in mind, first this morning, let me state that we need to be a church where preaching is above programs. This is very important. I would like for you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse number 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. Paul is writing here and he states, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, in verse number 17, Paul states, Christ sent me not to baptize. Now, that's not to say that it's not the mission of the church to baptize. It most definitely is. It's part of the Great Commission. Uh, Paul is addressing the fact here that he's an evangelist. And as an evangelist, God has not sent him to, to, to baptize people. He sent, them, he sent Paul to preach the gospel. But each of us, we know and understand that the church, the primary mission of the church is to preach the gospel... And to baptize the converts. But notice with me, if you would, that Scripture did not command us to go into all the world and build soup kitchens. Now, there's nothing wrong with soup kitchens. It it feeds hungry people. I I, I applaud that. I, I, I thank them for doing that. But it didn't tell us to go into all the world and build soup kitchens or to build... Uh, campgrounds or, or to write books or or to do anything else it commanded us the scripture commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel this is the primary mission of the church mark chapter 16 and verse 15 we read and he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature now certainly there's nothing wrong with soup kitchens to feed the hungry and there's nothing wrong with campgrounds to minister to children, And there's nothing wrong with writing books to encourage and, and to edify the believers. However, when these things grow in their importance to us as individuals so that they become equal to or even superior to the preaching of the word of God, they cause us to err in our Christian walk. It's sad today 
But I know many people who decide on which church they will attend by the programs the church offers, not even once concerning themselves with the doctrine preached in that church. I remember many years ago, I was out bus visiting one Saturday right across the street over here, as a matter of fact, in C-section. And I came across a young couple, and they had a little boy, and I, I spoke with them. And they decided they would come to church that, that Sunday morning. This was Saturday afternoon. So Sunday morning, they, they pulled up in the parking lot. I greeted them out front and brought them in, and we sat down together, and, and they went through the church service, and, and then they, they, they went home. And that week on Thursday, I, I went by their home, and I, I went by to visit them, and they invited me in, and I sat there, and I spoke to them uh, about, about the gospel and, and about church, and the, the young husband looked at me and said, well, we just, we just, your church is just, it's not comfortable for us. And I said, well, it's not comfortable. He said, no, it's you know, he said, we like our music to be a little, a little more upbeat. And, you know, we, 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 we didn't notice any real programs in your, in your bulletin, things going on. And, and I told him, I said, you know, when I go to buy a pair of shoes, I want comfortable shoes. I don't want to, I don't want to put shoes on my feet that's going to make my feet hurt all the time. I, when I buy shoes, I want comfortable shoes. But when I am going to a church where my immortal soul is going to be influenced. I don't want something that makes me feel good. I want something that will convict me and, and make me in my heart desire to live right for God. But you see, I, lots of people, that, that's what they want. They, they want a feel-good church. They want to go to church and, and they, want to, they want to swing to the beat of the music. Yay, yeah, all right. And they want... They want uh, all kind of activities for their children, like, as if, that's, if this, their children need more activities. Come on. Huh? Our kids are, are full of activity today. Church doesn't need to become one of their playtimes. And, and we need to choose a church that where preaching comes before program. Now, don't get me wrong. I think programs are important. We, we have, I think adult fellowships are important. Matter of fact, we used to have a man came to this church, and he complained to me one day that we never had men's fellowships. So I talked to Mrs. Rupert, and we put, we put a men's fellowship on the, on, the, on the calendar, and he didn't show up. Matter of fact, Mrs. Rupert's kind of discouraged men about doing any men's fellowships because nobody ever shows up for them. So, I don't know. What do we do? Yeah. But I believe in having adult fellowships. I think they're good now and then. We have a Pioneers Club for our children on Sunday evening. Of course, we do everything we can to make sure it's not a playtime, that they are getting instruction in, in the Lord. Uh, we have teen activities for our young people. We have, we have a camp out every year and Everybody's always fighting to get my camping spot because it's nice and shady and everybody wants it. Um, I guess they can have it. We conduct vacation Bible school programs and things such as that. We, we believe in programs. Um, but these, these serve as to enhance the ministry of our church, and, and they're good things. But they should not identify our church. The factor that defines any local church should be the preaching of the word of God. 
In far too many churches today, preaching has become bothersome. We've become a society of fun-loving, thrill-seeking, and self-serving people. We want to come to church and be entertained. We want to come to church and satisfy our need for attention and our need for gratification. We want to come to church and hear warm and fuzzy messages that make us feel good. Messages that convince us that we are okay just like we are and we don't need to change anything. In many churches today, people will only come to church on special or, as some religions call it, holy days. Well, let me remind you, any day you're in the presence of the Lord is a holy day. And you're in the presence of the Lord every day. And this is why so many churches have left off preaching and replaced it with concerts or dramas. You know, I'm a member of the choir. I enjoy a Christmas cantata. But I don't think you should ever cancel services to hold a cantata. Adding a, these churches add a five or ten minute devotion to the end of their drama and they call it church. It's amazing to me how many pews are filled, however, when special events take place, such as the Father's Day luncheon. You better get here early on Father's Day because you won't find a pew if you don't. Huh? Don't look at me like a cat looking at a new gate. You know I'm right. The Thanksgiving luncheon. I see people come here on Thanksgiving for the Thanksgiving luncheon that never come here any other day of the year. But because they're going to get a free meal out of the deal, they'll be here. It's like the 5,000 that Jesus fed in the wilderness. As soon as he put some expectations on them, what happened? They scattered, didn't they? But unless there's some great benefit to be gained out of being in church, many people won't come. They're just not interested in the preaching of God's word. And let me tell you something. I raised three children, and the most important thing to me was that my children, when church was going on, was sitting in the pew listening to the preaching of God's word. Not, I didn't bring coloring books and a case of colors for them to occupy their time. No, before we left the house, I said, you're going to sit there and you're going to listen. Or I'm going to preach a message that you're surely going to listen to. People just aren't interested anymore in the preaching of God's word. It's secondary to them. In some cases, it's tertiary to them. They don't care. They didn't care if they get preached at. Just make sure you got activities for me and my family so we can have fun. Now, I hope we are not known in this community as the church that has all those activities. I hope we are known as the church that preaches that old-fashioned gospel of Christ. Why do you attend Berean Baptist Church this morning? Think about it. What was the determining factor of your becoming a member here? Now, I believe that we should provide all the programs that we can, but never at the sacrifice of the preaching ministry of our church. That should always be first and foremost. So maintain the right perspectives, maintain the right attitude um, concerning preaching in our church. Make sure it's the primary thing. Make sure it comes before anything else. Then when choosing a church, we must make sure our priorities are right and that we have a church where worship precedes work. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Let's go back a little bit to Luke chapter 10. And this is a very familiar story. 
Luke chapter 10, and we'll go to verse 38. Luke chapter 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I applaud Martha. She's busy doing what she can do for the Lord. And while we are here, let me say that it is important that we do the work of the ministry. There are so many things that must be done for one of our services to be carried out. Much prayer uh, is, is prayed over the messages that, that are offered. Messages and lessons must be prepared. Visits must be made throughout the week. There are people that must go out and make visits and, 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 and encourage people to come to church and sometimes even help them get here. Bulletins and, and handouts must be printed and folded. You know, we have, we have a lady that comes in every, twice a week to, to fold the bulletins and insert everything that's in them. They don't, they don't come out of the printer like that. I wish, I wish we had something like that. We just Everything would pop out together, but no, somebody has that. Building and grounds must be cleaned. You, you drive by here on any Saturday and you'll see men outside mowing the lawn. You know, I've often wondered, why didn't God halt the, gra- the growth of grass when it gets about an inch long? I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand that. I hate mowing the lawn. But anyway, there are men that come and, yes, cursed, right. There are men that come and, and, and mow the lawns around here and, and uh, uh, poor men blow the leaves. They spend, they spend a half hour blowing the leaves in the parking lot and come in the next morning, it's full of leaves again. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a really bad trick, I tell you. Choir. Now, our choir has rehearsals, and Brother Gary has to muddle through with all of us poor singers and try to get us organized to do something. We, we all joke and say, you know, some, the Lord does something with the sound that leaves our voices, because when it reaches here, you guys are all smiling, and we don't know why. <laughs> but choir rehearsals, it takes time. The accompanists must rehearse. These ladies on these instruments, they don't just sit there and all of a sudden, they spend hours and hours and hours rehearsing and, and practicing. Sound and video systems uh, have to be maintained and manned. Notice we started the service this morning. We had a bit of a glitch with the, with the video. And, and when we came in this morning and rehearsed the choir, we had a problem with the soundboard and, and, and uh, uh, it'll come to me. Bob and, and Steve had to... Uh, Had to hustle back there to get it working. The nursery has to be cleaned and staffed. Junior church has to be organized and staffed. And lessons have to be prepared and planned. Ushers need to be lined up and need to know what they're doing. And there are many other things that, uh, much less obvious, that go unnoticed and unmentioned, such as a glass of water on the platform for the speaker. Attendance is taken. We keep record of every, every Sunday of who's here, 
Who's not here? Greeters. You've got people that have to be on duty out in the lobby to, to greet people as they come in. Counselors. You know, after service, we have men standing in the back prepared to counsel with people that may have questions or concerns or need to pray. Even something as minor as snacks for the kids in the classroom. All of these things have to be done. And they're all important. But not one of them should take the place of our worship to the Father. Now, was Martha wrong? Was she wrong for doing what she was doing while Jesus was sitting in the other room? Martha's in the kitchen, and she's preparing a meal, and she's cleaning up, and she's doing... Was she wrong for doing that? Was that a wrong thing to do? Of course not. And furthermore, I don't think anyone can infer that Jesus is suggesting that she was wrong in what she was doing. He did say she was careful, and and she was troubled about, about things. But he didn't say, Martha, you're sinning. Stop doing what you're doing and get in here and sit down. No, these, work, these things must be done. And she had a need that, that could not be satisfied by works alone. And this is why the Lord said, one thing is needful. I've known, I've known people over the years that, uh, some who used to come here and are now gone. I've known people over the years who were so, so busy doing things. But they never took the time to pray. They they were so busy and so driven to do what they needed to do, what they perceived as needful. But they never took time to spend with their children. Never took time alone with their spouse. You know, over the years, I've, I've mentored and trained I don't know, 40, 50 men to, to, to run bus routes and bus count. Basically, you know, there are many pastors out there. Many of the people a bus captain touches, the lives they touch, those people will never attend a church. They're the only, they're the closest thing to a pastor those people will ever have. But the one thing I've always told those people, those, those young men as I train them, is take time for your family. Make sure you're spending time with your wife. Make sure you're spending time with your children. Because if you neglect your family for your ministry before too long, you won't have either one. And we have to have a balance. There has to be a balance between our service and our worship. Take time to worship the Lord. I've always stressed the importance to the people I've mentored of faithfulness, dependability, and dedication. However, I've spent triple the amount of time stressing the importance of having a personal walk with God, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, sitting at the feet of Jesus as Mary is pictured here, worshiping and being instructed by the Lord. I've seen so many believers put all their emphasis on serving in the church, putting these labors above everything else in their life, including their worship of the Father, and the end result is never good. You know, it's easy, let me just say real quickly, it's easy to get into a habit. It's easy to get into a habit. You know, one of the habits I've tried to help break all these years in the lobby Who's, which deacon is in charge of the ushers? John. Keep an eye on that lobby. Because it's so easy to end up in that, for people to end up in that lobby while preaching is going on. Huh? 
Be careful, ladies, about the kitchen. Why do we come, why do we come to church? We come to church for preaching, not to heat food and put it in plates. Huh? I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. That's what Martha was doing. Jesus was in the room preaching. What was Martha doing? She's in the kitchen organizing the food. Listen, I don't care if I've got to wait 30 minutes to eat. You need to hear the preaching of God's word. You know, do you realize that every time... I've, got, I've left off teaching and I've gone to preach it. Do you realize every time you step into church, God has something for you? Did you know that? He has something in every message you ever listen to for you. I've been, I've been in church, I've been going to services for 33 years, and I've yet to leave a service where there wasn't something in that message that touched my heart. We've got to be so careful. We've got to be so careful because it's so easy to get involved with things. Not bad things, but it's so easy to get involved with things instead of being at the feet of Jesus where we ought to be. Let me stop preaching, get back to teaching. Today, as we sit in our pews, so many attempt to trade off with God, offering labor in place of love, rigors in place of reverence, work in place of worship. Yet, they fail to understand that when we worship God in truth, our service unto God will be so much more gratifying to both me and him. So let's get our priorities right. Preaching is before programs. Worship precedes work. Then thirdly, let us be a church where rules do not define righteousness. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And we'll begin at verse number 13. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, to, and forbid them not uh, to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Okay, now this young man was confused. He thought the way to heaven was by doing good things, by, by keeping rules. Okay? Verse 17, he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt not do murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He, in other words, he said, I already did these things, Lord, and now what do I have to do? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard these saying, that, that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now here is a young man who put all his emphasis on the rules. All of the rules of his religion, he emphasized and put all of his effort into those. In fact, he was so bold as to tell Jesus that he had kept all of the law from his youth up. 
Now, I can, I can assume that his prideful entrance before the Lord came from a society that put more emphasis upon rules than on inward discipline. The obedience of outward rules rather than inward discipline in the heart. And he, was, and he wrongly assumed that Jesus would praise him for his ability to follow the rules of his religion. But what was Jesus' opinion regarding this? Well, in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, we read, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, certainly, there were no bigger rule keepers than the, than the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, For you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now, the Pharisees of Jesus' day were standard bearers. Those who, who have their standards but have no righteousness. No righteousness as God defines it. Oh, they dressed right. They had all the do's and don'ts right. But in their hearts, they were, they were dark and cold. That's what Jesus said. Inwardly, inwardly, you're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Now, what good does it do to clean the outside of the cup if the inside is filthy? It doesn't do us any good at all. Now, I need to remind us this morning, however, that I'm not saying we don't have to have any rules. Okay? We have to have rules. You have to have rules in all of society, and everything has. You have to have rules. I mean, if you sit down to play a Monopoly game, you got rules, don't you? Huh? And if you don't follow the Monopoly rules, the game's going to be chaotic. It's, you're never going to determine who wins because you're not following the rules. And we have, I don't want to use the word rules, but in our Christian life, we have expectations. God has expectations for us. We talked a little bit about this Wednesday night when I talked about the Bible saying we need to be a peculiar people. There are expectations on the child of God. He's, he's supposed to be strikingly different than the world, remarkably different. So different that when people look at him, they say there's something different about that person. So it's not a, it's not a dressing to the nines and, and getting out a ruler and making sure your hair is the right length and... All these things. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in our hearts because of, uh, because of our new nature, because of the new creation that we are in our hearts, we desire to do right. We desire to live for God. We desire to please the Lord in our, in our daily life, in our walk, in our appearance, and all these things. We're not doing it to keep a rule. We're not doing it to be accepted by everybody around us, including the Lord. Remember, the Lord accepts us as we are. In Romans chapter 5, we read in verses 6 and 8, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus accepted us as we are. I'm so glad that God didn't pre-qualify me the way that we often do others. We pre-qualify people as to their holiness based upon uh, we decide whether they are good Christians by what we see rather than what they are in their hearts. I'm so glad that God didn't put a list of rules in front of me and tell me that if I wanted to fellowship with him, I had to conform to all of these rules. 
And you know why, you know why some people like rules so much? Because they can control outside. See? They can control the outside so that when they appear, when they, when they come before you, they look righteous. But they can't control inside. And at home, they, they're, they're just as vile as they could possibly be. When nobody's looking, there's no righteousness there. And that's not the kind of righteousness God's interested in. He's not interested in what's out here. He is, to a certain degree, but only because of testimony's sake. But he's interested. Every man doeth that which is right in his own eyes, but God pondereth the heart. God's interested in what's in here. That's what he's concerned about. Now back to this rich young ruler. In so many ways, this young man reminds me of some of the Christians that I've known in my life. And, and, you know, if you go to some of these, if you go to some of these schools that's out there, everybody dresses alike. Everybody wears their hair the same way. Everybody wears the same color shoes, same color ties. They even chew their gum the same way. I mean, I'm serious. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that each of us should live according to righteousness, but the righteousness is such that it's supported by the word of God. And when we conduct our lives in accordance with the word of God, we won't need a list of rules. For when we live in accord with God's word, we will by default walk in righteousness. What what kind of righteousness do you want? The righteousness that comes from a relationship with God, a love for God, and, and a concern for, for my own inner righteousness, my own inner, inner self. Or righteousness that comes by going down to J.C. Penney, buying a certain kind of suit, going to a barber and getting a certain kind of haircut, and walking around with, with, with evil thoughts and, and, and all, of your, all of your sins tied up and laying at home and waiting for you while you come to church and put on a show. I want a church where preaching is more important than programs. I want a church where worship precedes work. And I want a church where rules do not define righteousness. And I believe that that is what we have here at Berean Baptist Church. We are a church that centers around preaching, worship, and righteousness. So praise God for his grace and mercy. And praise the Lord for the church we have. Now, let's get out there and tell others about our church and encourage them to come in and hear the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.